WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Good Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. This morning on Flashpoint, the alarming spike of violent crime in Charlotte recently. Last weekend, there were four deadly shootings, two of the victims just teenagers. Of course, it comes after a month of unrest here in Charlotte and across the country. Weeks of protests in almost every major city. Calls by some to defund the police after the death of George Floyd. This morning on Flashpoint, we speak to one of the top officials from Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police. And then a little bit later on the show, we're going to talk to City Councilman Braxton Winston, who protested and was arrested. Joining us now, Rob Tefano, Communications Director over at CMPD. Rob, good to see you, my friend. Good being here, Ben. Hope you're doing well. I am. All right, let's begin with the recent violence because it's alarming folks across the city. Uh, it's a gut punch to a lot of folks. We have a brand new police chief, of course, and we're at about 60 homicides so far this year. At the same time yeah. last year, at the same time last year, we'd seen about 56. But the thing is, when you go before that, both years are, are more than double the amount that we had up to this point in 2018. Uh, take a listen to the chief. You know, unfortunately, over 28 years being here, I've seen too many of these weekends where they just, uh, the violence is almost unbearable. Uh, each of these individuals have uh, a mother, a father, a brother, sister, someone who cares about them. When I start looking at what we can do as an agency, some of the things that I want to make sure is that what we're doing has the biggest impact on our community. At his swearing in earlier this month, uh, the new chief, Johnny Jennings, said crime management is one of four core values that he's going to focus on in his administration. Knowing there's no easy answers, what are we going to do uh, about this violent crime rate? Yeah, I, I think the operative word you used there was we. You know, a lot of people have the notion that this is something that police can arrest their way out of or police can manage on their own. But it's been said before, it's, this is really a, a collective thing. You know, we'll continue to initiate these operations and these strategies, these violent crime interruption programs, make arrests and conduct all these different operations and campaigns. But, you know, it's not something that, you know, the 1800 plus men and women of, of this department can do alone. It's going to it's going to take a community. It's going to take all of us getting together, rolling up our sleeves and getting after it. You, you mentioned we're at, you know, close to 60, 60 homicides so far this year. If you thought last year was a bad year, an egregious year, we're on pace to outpace last year and then that's just tragic when you when you saw the chief at that press conference and he just played that soundbite he'd been up since about 2 33 o'clock that morning responding to a scene of a 16 year old a 16 year old that was gunned down in northwest charlotte over the last several weeks we've had a couple of 16 year olds a 14 year old over in west charlotte over on Beatty's Ford Road that had been murdered. I mean, the, the level of violence is unprecedented and it's something that the chief takes very seriously. But what, what is it? You guys study these things. What is it? I mean, there, there's this old notion that, oh, when the economy is really bad, that's when crime goes up. Uh, granted, we've had this pandemic, but that doesn't account for what happened last year and what happened for the first few months of this year. Uh, what, what is behind it? Yeah, it, it, there, there, there are a couple of factors, but the overarching component to a lot of what the violence is that we're experiencing believe it or not it's these petty arguments that escalated to something far greater and far more violent 
retaliation. You know, it could be something as simple as, I, you know, I punked you out on social media or, you know, I was talking to a girlfriend of yours. We've had people kill each other over, over belts, like designer belts small debts that people owe each other. Uh, there have been uh, robberies uh, during drug transactions. And you know what the, the interesting thing is that a lot of people don't understand is, you know, a lot of the homicides that are associated with drugs, we're not talking any kind of Scarface, cartel kind of stuff. Oftentimes, believe it or not, this is kind of marijuana stuff. The overwhelming majority of our drug-related homicides have a direct nexus, a direct connection to marijuana. Marijuana robberies, through transactions that oftentimes escalate into violence and sadly, too often murders. Um, let me switch gears a little bit to uh, the protests from, from just a few weeks ago because uh, we now have some months uh, worth of sort of uh, hindsight and, and specifically that night of June 2nd, we're showing some video of it. Uh, pe peaceful protesters say they were met with violent and excessive force uh, as officers in riot gear began to deploy their tear gas and rubber bullets. Take a listen. Obviously, black lives don't matter to CMPD Mecklenburg because they're using chemical agents on us just for having freedom of speech. Now, we should say that civil rights groups filed a lawsuit against CMPD and then uh, then Chief Kerr Putney, a restraining order placed on CMT, CMPD. It limits CMPD's use of riot control agents, um, an exception if they, they could be uh, harmed to the officers at that point. Uh, CMPD responded saying actions on June 2nd were never meant to intentionally hurt anybody. Uh, understanding and humbly saying that this is going to be a months long and years long conversation that we're having in our community. Uh, what have we learned at least a month out from this? Well, I think you started in a really good place where you just started. They should be conversations that we should have developed and continue to develop and they should be highly scrutinized. Anytime you have a group of individuals that are attempting to exercise their First Amendment rights by demonstrating, we have an obligation. We have a responsibility. We take an oath to facilitate that, to make sure that they do get to exercise their First Amendment rights. You know, we saw the video, you saw the video. There's, you'd have to squint awfully hard to find anything that looks good there. That was a horrible look. I think we're all in lockstep there. You know, I, I, I know that the SBI, they'd come in, uh, the State Bureau of Investigations, they'd come in and, and, and did a review. I personally, and I share the thought with a lot of people in this organization, were a little underwhelmed with what, what their findings were. It really didn't give uh, any kind of um, outline as to whether you know anyone did anything that was illegal or any recommendations on, on how we could manage situations like this any better. Uh, before the city council right now, there have been some spirited dialogue about what expectations are from elected officials. Yeah, let, what me, let me just cut you. Let me just cut you off just real quick because yeah. to, to that point, the eight can't wait campaign. It's gotten na national attention. Um, you, you know what it is. Uh, city council, I know, talked about comparing what that campaign is to versus what we already have on the books at CMPD. Um, what, what are your general feelings? Um, and I ask you to speak as an individual, but also as a sort of as the uh, spokesperson right now for CMPD on, on things like banning chokeholds and strangleholds that's already been on our books and it has been for quite some time the uh, the uh, a lot of actually the elements of, of of the eight can't wait were already delivered through the department we are still identifying opportunities though to even shore up even those areas that, that you discussed you, you mentioned chokeholds um the only time that an officer would ever be allowed to deliver a chokehold is if there's going to be uh, imminent deadly force. So if he or she's fighting for their life, 
literally fighting for their life or literally trying to imminently save the life of another person, that's the only reasonable time per policy that an officer would be able to administer a chokehold. So it's been prohibited per policy for some time. All right, Rob Tefano, our, uh, our guest this morning here on Flashpoint, the communications director over at CMPD. I'm uh, going to hold you over for, for one last topic on the other side of this break. We're going to talk about defunding the police. Yeah. It's a term you hear a lot, um, and I assume you probably have a lot of opinions about it, and I actually think I'm going to try to find some common ground perhaps, and then, of course, later on, we're going to talk to Braxton Winston. That's coming up on the other side of this break. Tornadoes, the tropical storm, severe weather is extreme weather, and we're here to keep you safe and to help you navigate your day. The First Born team is there for you, no matter the conditions and the location. We're in your hand with the WCNC weather app, and we'll always be there on WCNC Charlotte. So wake up, plan your day and your life. The First Born storm team will be there for you. Welcome back to Flashpoint. After protests across the country, they've been caused to defund the police, disband them, even abolish them completely. So what do all these phrases mean? Defunding the police, evidently less about eliminating police and, and more about reallocating some of the resources that funds them. Disbanding the police is doing just that, starting from scratch. The most radical thing people some are calling for is abolishing the police together. That plan would then strengthen social and, and, and community services in place of law enforcement. Um, I don't, I don't want to get too caught up in, in semantics here, Rob Tefano with uh, CMPD, um, but I do feel like, and on Flashpoint, we like to find some common ground, and I actually think there is some common ground here, even though I feel like some of these words um, distract from the issue. Is there an argument that can be made that right now police are doing way too much? Absolutely. Absolutely. You had too many hats on and arguably hats that they should have never put on to begin with. Well, that's, and that's my point, that I feel like you all get called for the cat that's stuck up in the tree, for um, a person who's, who's sitting on the side of the road, for um, drug issues among people, for homelessness. You all, I mean, almost like you all are set up for failure. There's, there, there's, you're sort of like the real life version of 311. Uh, you're the catch all from everything. And as a society, I feel like, are setting you all up for, and I say you, not just as CMPD, but in, in general, the way we're approaching policing right now, setting you up for failure that there's just too much you all can do. You know, traditionally, over the last couple of decades, I think law enforcement in general, not just this organization, they've interjected, they've jumped into these lanes that arguably they, they never should have been in, trying to fill these voids that have been left barren by the more appropriate agencies or, or professionals. You know, we could go around the Maypole and talk about, you know, mental health and quality of life kind of issues. I mean, cops are expected now to be social workers and mentors and conflict resolution negotiators and school resource officers and clinicians. And, and uh, you know, there are more suited, professional, developed people in our society that would probably be more suited to manage these kind of things. But here we are, this is, this is where we're living these days as a profession. So then would it make sense to take some of that money from you all? I know nobody wants to lose money, whether you're an organization or whether you're a family or anything, but take some of that money and reallocate those to uh, another service, social services or something like that. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does for a lot of people. And I've had some intimate conversations about the new police chief. Uh, just strictly about that. And he's all in when it comes to having conversations about that, divesting that money, reappropriating that money, that funding to the people who are better suited, more experienced, 
have a better skill set to to address it. Where he gets spun up, though, is if we are going to reappropriate that and we're going to reassign those important responsibilities, we better make damn sure that the people that we're reassigning them to have the capacity and can do them well because they're important. They are important issues. They may not be police issues. They're important issues. And the people who are administering them and managing have to do it well. I, I would think, and folks at home let us know, but I would think that's something that I feel like most people can agree on right there. Um, and, and we can use for words like defund or disband, and I think that can distract from the issue. But what, what you just said, what we just talked about in the last two minutes, I think most reasonable people can, can agree on. Um, all right, Rob Tafano, listen, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. You can come back anytime, okay? One of the leading voices for police reform, City Councilman Braxton Winston, he's been out front on this issue now for years, actually even arrested during one of the recent protests. Braxton joining us now for the rest of the show uh, from Southwest Charlotte. Uh, all right, give us, if you take a look at the violent crime that we talk about that we've seen the last week or so uh, here in Charlotte, first reaction to it, is this a violent crime thing? Is it a, a, a policing thing? Because I know, I know all these things are sort of weaved together. How do you approach this? I, I think this is a human thing uh, in the end regardless of, of who has to deal with it, uh, we have to treat each other better as human beings. Uh, that starts with the examples that we as adults set uh, for the young people uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina, all across America. Uh, we have to uh, be aware of the rhetoric, uh, the way we talk to one another, especially when we disagree. Um, and, and we have to be the ones to set examples of how to peaceably uh, de-escalate uh, uh, conflicts once they occur. De-escalation is something that has to happen uh, uh, at the core of all of our human interactions. Specifically in the recent cases and, and the homicide rate, you know, this year and last year, as opposed to say the, the years before, um, w what can we do about it? The number one thing we can do is employ violence interruption tactics. Uh, look, we have to get people, uh, people that have been victims and people that have committed committed uh, violent crimes in the past uh, to get out to these, especially young folks, um, and and talk to them. Uh, those are the folks that have the credibility. Those are the folks that have the experience, and those are the folks that that actually uh, know the recourse and repercussions of these violent acts. We have to get those folks um, into the neighborhoods, into the communities, into the groups of friends um, and enemies uh, to disrupt that. It's happened um, in, in different cities throughout uh, America, and uh, we, we have uh, sort of these services on our menu. Now it's up to us on city council uh, uh, to, to execute um, the, the plans and carry these things out now, not sometime down the road. Interested in knowing what you think uh, the, the police involvement is in some of that, uh, but I, I think that's going to be a, a longer, a bigger issue that we, we want to get into, um, and we'll do that on the other side of the break. We're really desperate. Local business owner Craig Ray applied for a government loan to keep his business going, but when his request got stalled, Craig contacted the defenders and asked, where's the money? I know that after you contacted them, things moved pretty fast. Just glad we could help you. If you're asking where's the money and feeling financial pressure, the WCNC Charlotte Defenders are here to help. Email us at thedefenders at WCNC.com. We're there to get you answers to where's the money, only on WCNC Charlotte. And welcome back to Flashpoint. Charlotte City Councilman Braxton Winston joining me once again. Um, we we're talking about the violent crime, the recent violent crime here in Charlotte and, and uh, the murder rate of the last couple of years. Um, what specifically do you think police can do, realizing this is a thing that's on all of us, 
What specifically do you think effective ways police can handle this? Well, I think you uh, have uh, Rob Tufano of CMPD on, on the show um, as well. And I, th I think something that he and I both agree on is that we ask police to do too much. You know, their, their, their name is law enforcement. So that's where uh, uh, their job really entails, uh, really starts once laws are suspected of being broken. However, we ask them to, uh, to do things where uh, folks that are more trained in social services, mental health professionals, trauma-informed uh, respondents, that's who should be responding to uh, some uh, many of the calls and doing a lot of the work uh, uh, outside of shifts and in, in, in programs and community outreach. Those, those are the types of folks who should be, uh, that should be funded and doing, doing the work. Um, police are not able, they're not equipped, um, and it is not in their, in their training uh, uh, to interrupt violence in the, in the way that it is necessary. Uh, to get uh, into these groups of folks and and, um, and 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 talk and level with them uh, in a way that um, parents, mentors, and these other um, uh, specialists that are that are trained in, like I said, in, in trauma-informed first response, social services, services, and, and mental health crises uh, should be doing. And so, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what I think I what I'm hearing is you say is the talk about police reform that we've been having, having the last month or two, and you talk about the violent crime rate here in charge of the last, uh, this last year or two. Um, th there's a connection that you see uh, as far as if we had the proper social services in place to address these things ahead of time, that we wouldn't get to the, the, the homicide rate we're seeing. Is that, is that, am I understanding you correctly? It's a sort of. I would again. I wouldn't refer to this as police reform because again, there are certain things that I don't think uh, that it is police, uh, police or law enforcement's job to take on. I, I, I would like to speak of it more in the terms of what is government's role in ensuring uh, safe communities, and there are other services that we can provide. I think one of the the big questions that we have to have if, as we're talking about this, if we know that there are other social services, other trauma informed services because that is not necessarily offered by social services right now there's a disconnect between government entities to try to create solutions like this so we have our the county which provides a lot of these service services and the city which provides law enforcement there's no cohesive work plan there's no cohesive uh, um, ideation uh, that is going on there and so we really have to not just be so myopic and look at law enforcement we have to look at the entire government's response and how we work to ensure our safe communities i think when we step back um, and take a look at the, the, the bigger picture um uh, the, the status quo is quite unsatisfactory what do you what do you think um uh, of the defund police movement or abolish police or disband police what, what do you what do you think of those movements those terms are uh, in, in some, obviously very polarizing um, but the, the really what you're talking about are essential um, roles of legislative bodies like city council you know we, we talk we move money around all the time for instance uh, when the cross Charlotte trail uh, was uh, uh, we found out that 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 project was going over 77 million dollars over budget we had to look inside in our departments right and we saw that there was a structure problem there so we defunded the engineering department and we we uh, reimagined and realigned it 
uh, so that it, it, the, the system uh, changed and the way we go about spending our money and going about putting projects together changed. And we got the, we got uh, the, the problem with the budget. We got the problem with the deliverables um, uh, figured out. So I think when you talk about uh, defunding police, that is what you, you're talking about. Where is the money going now? Where will it be more effective? Where do you move that to? Well, um, so uh, go ahead. I'll, I'll tell you what, we, I think we, we've had more agreement on, on this show uh, in the last uh, 20 minutes than I, I've heard on the National Dialogue a lot. Because you're right, Rob DeFano was saying earlier, you, you know what, take away money, reallocate money. If there's a, if there's a, a more effective group of, of professionals that can handle these things better, that's, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. Um, and I'm hearing the same thing from you, and, and it's not, something I'm hearing enough, at least in the national dialogue. And I think nationally, a lot of folks could be learning from uh, of the conversation that we're having here uh, in Charlotte. And honestly, you just have to talk to each other. <laughs> that's well, that, that's the thing. I think, I think we have to do work. You know, it's not gonna be uh, figured out on, the, on these shows. You know, we can, we, what we really need to be doing is going into our room, sitting around the table um, and talking and doing our work. And that's what I'm pushing us on city council to do. That's what I'm pushing us within our departments to do and, and all across government. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I came, come from schools of thought where we all sit around round tables and we don't come out of there um, until we have an idea and a path forward um, and action steps to, to give everybody. And then you come back around the table. Honestly, that doesn't happen enough. Um, we do a lot of talking um, and we do a lot of this, but we don't do a, enough work. And that's where I'm trying to push us uh, to get these things done. And I think there is, as you said, a lot of common ground there uh, when we actually sit down and do the work and get past the rhetoric. Yeah, and don't let politicians um, make issues more polarizing than they already need to be. All right. We need leadership in government and that's, not more politics. Absolutely. All right, Braxton, listen, don't be such a stranger. Come back soon, okay? Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. And trusting us on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thanks again for making us number one. Download the WCNC Charlotte News app and find out why WCNC.com is the number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home. The number one local choice for TV news is WCNC.com. Download the WCNC News app today. Experience the difference. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home and on Facebook by giving WCNC Charlotte more followers than any other local TV news source. Thank you for making WCNC.com your number one choice for local TV news on your phone and in your home.